I'm having a strange bug this week on my phone. It's happened before. I think I said it to you guys. Don't know if you know what it is, but um, so it recalls like those really key- expensive chat numbers by. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> just my keychain stuff seems to be getting deleted. So I'm going into my apps and it happened the other day. Uh, Outlook completely locked out of uh, Reddit and Arwall locked out of, or not locked out of, but like assigned out of, and my inner purchases are gone. Um, Twitter, Facebook, WeChat, WhatsApp, all these different apps that have login details for me just, you know, and then my photos, it's given me like, oh, this is your first time going into photos messages. And, and then like the, my ringtone for messages is gone to the single tone instead of the tritone. So then the vibration when you, when anyone texts me is different. And I'm like, so it's like my phone has kind of gone to a reset, but not a full reset. Did you sign in and sign out of iCloud? The usual. Did you delete your account? No. Did no, Russians delete your the, account? The Russians oh, might no, have no. account. <laughs> By proxy, Thomas, your fuck up is now my fuck up. My fuck up is always your fuck up. <laughs> so is there much literature out there about a buzz? Like, is it happening to other people? Like, no, I've heard of fu- similar enough things and, you know, random enough. Have like, you heard of this before? Yeah. I, I thought it was Mobile Iron before. I don't have Mobile Iron on before. But like the CEO came back on Twitter and was like, no, that's not us. And I was like, all right. And now I have Microsoft Intune on it for work uh, stuff. I was wondering, was that it? But I'm not sure. I'll try and find out anyway. Huh. It's just a pain. Mobile Iron, your phone is a bit locked down, isn't it? It's got some weird configuration That's a wee, it's, it's a wee bit then, yeah. Like it needs a minimum six pin password, but I think that's kind of normal now. But like it was just stuff like that in it. But it just has certificates for connecting to Wi-Fi and work, like in any Wi-Fi network, all that stuff kind of preloaded into it. It's just something, throw it out there. Maybe someone knows. It's just weird that it's, it, this is the second time it's happened to me. Um... I don't understand why it's happening, but oh, just getting what fixed out it the first time? Oh, nothing. I just have to sign back into all my apps. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder, Dave, what do you think? But th- that thing Baz has on his phone, that seems to me to be a likely culprit. It does, but there's only so much it can do, like. Ah, yeah, but it can do it's, quite it's, a lot, though. But it's keychain. I think it's keychain. It's just the username, password kind of stuff um, that's deleted, like the user defaults or whatever it is in the phone. Because, like, if I go back into the apps that I'm using that require me to sign back in, like, I've got, like, my old conversations with people. I've got, like, in WhatsApp, I've got all the pictures and stuff that I send to people. You know, that stuff stays there in messages. It just seems like it's forgotten me as being signed in. Um, so, I don't know, a certificate or something was deleted. What's hmm. that What's that thing called? The thing you have locking down your phone? Uh, Microsoft Intune. Or Intune, as they say in the States. What was the other thing, though, that you said that the CEO replied to you on Twitter? Uh, Mobile Iron, but that's long gone. We don't use that anymore. It's just a way of saying, basically, you know, you're. it's kind of like a proxy thing or a, a, what do you call it? A a VPN? I can't remember. This basically kind of says, you know, it's kind of like you're on the network. Uh, Losing words. Anyway, just more of an annoyance than anything, but throw it out there if anyone has any similar issues they might tell me what the hell is going on hmm. so stack overflow uh there's a a guy said um mdm which is 
what the things you were talking about are, like yes. this mobile device management. Uh, they can control the device uh, keychain. They mm. probably can't read it, read it, but I reckon they can probably uh, reset it. Are you on nights out where idiots are trying your PIN number when you're not around? <laughs> <laughs> no. No, I, I cannot understand it. Like, I go in and it's it's not a all-at-once thing. It's a, I'll go into an app and it'll be like, okay, like Outlook. Outlook was just sign in. You have to set it up again, which is really annoying because you have to find all the settings and stuff. But then other apps then throughout the day would slowly then be working and then all of a sudden... Yeah, you're signed out, hmm. which is which is the annoying thing. Then, like that, you know. And do you use the same keychain and passwords for Mac? Um, no, but like it'd be like, yeah, uh, no, I don't think so. Seems weird. Seems hmm. weird. I'll check. I'll see if I can find it anymore. I had a bug on my phone this week. <laughs> it was running iOS seven. So I've been on an iPhone 4 all week. It's painful. And Apple refused you a free repair of your phone. They're a bit bollocksy about that now, in fairness. They sent back the photo. It's a really dark photo. And then they put a red circle around it and said, your fault. (laughs) Yeah, that was basically it. So um, my iPhone 5S was bulging because of the battery. I rang Apple last Monday and after about an hour on... Hold, they agreed they would um, repair my device or effectively replace it for free. Uh, So I sent it in and as Baz said, I got back a snarky email claiming that there was a dent in it. um, And I would definitely have not sent it back if I thought there was any damage at all to it. Um, You know, because I wouldn't chance my arm. Um... I wouldn't have wanted to have gone without my phone for a week for no reason whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's what happened. So it's kind of annoying up. that they did say they would fix it. Um, that's some kind of verbal agreement right there, right? Uh, subject yeah. to everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm irritated rather than annoyed. I think like it's good in these things not to sort of come in with a massive sort of sense of expectation or entitlement, but uh, no, I'm just irritated because I just lost over a week without my phone and it's all a bit annoying. And any time something like this happens, I go through this kind of constant dilemma of like between Mac, iPad and iPhone, what sort of best suits my needs at any time. And so will I get a fancier phone or a fancier iPad or a fancier Mac or a less fancy Mac? So, yeah, just got into all that again. So what are your options now um, in terms of you just get a battery and repair it? Yeah, or I might leave it, although once that battery thing charges, so it's basically gas being trapped in the cells of the battery. Um, yeah. And I... It gets kind of worse and worse. So the proximity sensor is all, already gone. Um, oh, I could ch- I could change the battery. Battery is one thing, like I dislike using third party parts for. Yeah. Um. So, oh, I don't know. I'm just irritated. But at the same time, like it's only going to be, do you know what, thirty quid or something for a battery, and 
you know, it's not going to be the times 10 figure that Apple were quoting you. Yeah, 240 euros. So I guess so. Um, yeah, and it's 24.95 when I fix it, Europe. Okay. Um, I don't know, because I, I presume the glass is probably bent a little by now, because there's a good sort of three mil bulge of the glass coming off the phone. So, uh, we'll see. Well, you can get a front display assembly for just 69.95. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Is it still the case that you replace the display assembly and the, well... And the 5S, yeah. Oh, I don't know. I wish they'd come out with a new SE next month and then just buy that and then it'd be fine. Yeah, I'm so looking forward to potentially new iPads so that I can procrastinate and not buy one just long enough that I hold off and wait yet again for the next new ones. (laughs) (laughs) That was weird. The Pro came out like, I'm totally going to get the Pro and here I am however long later, like still not owning a Pro. Um, is this uh, new ones coming out? Uh, rumors, of course. Like, but we're we're guessing something in March, I think. March, okay. Is that I, I've heard about the, the middle ten point five inch bezelless one, which sounds awesome. Yeah, that's that's the double iPad Mini. Yeah, uh, it's it's a Pro, and I think it has the same re- resolution as the twelve inch, but will come in a ten and a half inch form. Now, yeah, if you could you fold it. <laughs> you saw your man's blog post, right? No. Did you send um, something? Did we ignore you again? <laughs> this Damn guy, man. designer guy, um, basically did some maths on it, um, some basic trigonometry, um, and basically, uh, this like ten-inch iPad would be equivalent to two iPad Mini Retinas side by side. Mm. Oh both in screen size and then obviously in resolution. So it, basically what it's saying is it really makes sense that they do that in the same way as the iPad Pro 12 inch is two 9.7 inch iPads side by side in uh-huh. terms of resolution. Very cool. So like you, I mean, it'd be super high pixel density, but uh, it'd be class, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would be really, really good. Yeah, could, could be the one I'd eventually buy. <laughs> um so yeah um ios 7 it was rough this week i remembered how bad my final year with my iphone 4 was um podcast app is awful it did like i remember i i'd forgotten but now remember after using it this week uh, what did it do it did like kind of hang on download uh when it had finished downloading it was to say processing file for five minutes and nothing would happen and you'd have to uh you'd have to just reset the app in the background before you could listen to a podcast um so yeah looking forward to get my old phone back did it run well at all on um no no one or two things were quicker, like weird things. Like, was iOS 7 when they changed the networking stack? Um, to the bad one, though, I thought. It was the bad one, but it had some good bits in it. So, like, selecting AirPlay des- devices is instant. Yeah. Whereas in iOS 10, it takes ages. So, like, obviously they fixed that with the... And then they threw out the fix because it brought in loads of bugs. Yeah, because I just, like my MacBook Air at the moment even, I remember when I got my first uh, Mac, 
it would be connected to the internet before I had the lid open. Like it would be on the Wi-Fi. Mm. And Apple used to do that by just like kind of disregarding the protocols and just connecting without doing the, the discovery and stuff. But now on the, the MacBook Air, like you open it up and it could literally be 20 seconds searching for the Wi-Fi. It's like it's Windows all over again. Yeah. Um, yeah. You watch that icon. Uh, your first Mac, was it Intel or PowerPC, Dave? Uh, the first one I owned myself was Intel, yeah. But I'd worked with all the uh, the other ones at, at work and stuff. Because the other thing I miss about the PowerPC Macs is they were insanely fast at waking from sleep. Like, even faster than the first Intel ones. Um, yeah, it's just funny the way things go backwards sometimes, I guess. Yeah, it's it, the, 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 the kind of wake is the, the thing that's gotten less impressive for me. Like, I mean, when I was coming from like a... I don't know, a Windows XP machine or whatever, and you open it up and you get sounds playing and eventually you log in, like, and it's the same. I don't know if you've ever had, um, you know, you're meeting with like a salesperson or something like that and they come along with the Windows PC and they're just like, just a few minutes now, do you know? And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> do you know, you're sitting there for 10 minutes trying to make small talk while someone logs into their laptop. Like, I mean, Excellent. we had the lads doing the, the quarterly, the national quarterly household survey calling to us there for a while um for the year we were randomly selected to be to be quizzed um several times a year there's gonna be a massive peak in like kind of nerdy stuff and subscriptions in the sort of national statistics as a result possibly yeah i loved how i loved how like it asked some of the questions like it was like would you be prepared to work longer for more money or less for less money or whatever and i remember like going off on a rant one day and you one just goes I'm going to say no. <laughs> I was like, fair enough. She was Brilliant. like, I, I have a box here. Yes or no. She's like, I'm, I'm going to say no. But um, yeah, just that's the thing that's kind of gone back with the Max as well. You open it up and it's it's just taken a while. But obviously the, the 7 got some stuff right. Or the, the 4 on iOS 7. Some stuff right. Most stuff wrong. What deserves kudos for still being class and working fast? Obviously not iMessage groups. No. Um, sorry, you're asking what, what else works fast on the, the iPhone 4? What did you hate the least, I suppose, yeah. Um, good question, yeah. Podcast is awful. Um, hardly anything works anymore. Like Apple have deprecated a lot of their own apps, so Find Friends doesn't work anymore. Right. Um, just as a random it? example. Um, it's a lonely week. The, <laughs> the, the, the the app. What? Do you use the Find My Friends app? Yeah, totally. Do you use it, Dave? Yep. I'm looking at you right now, Baz. Yeah. No. <laughs> I find it really useful to some friends because, like, like if I want to call someone, I'll just look where they are, and if they're out and about, I won't call them. Do you know, for ringing for a chat, like, yeah, yeah, or driving or something like that. It's handy. You're kind of like, no, and it's not the best time to ring someone. <laughs> I like the thing as well. If there's a gang of people going out, like, and you can do the, you know, share. Assuming you just hang out with iOS developers, obviously, um, right? Yeah, you can yeah. you can do the, you know, share the the thing for an hour, and then if people are coming along later, they just know what pub you're in, mm-hmm. without having to do the whole texting or the ringing, and then no one's listening to their phone. They're like, "Are you still at Mickey's?" 
Where'd you go? (laughs) (laughs) I'm putting in a big Amazon order. So I'm going to order 16 gigs of RAM from a Mac mini and a half terabyte SSD for it. It's going to fly. It's going to fly by. Um, MacMiniColo.net, one of those um, places that hosts Mac minis, did a blog post about... Kind of now's the best time to uh, upgrade your Mac Mini. And they did a graph of uh, RAM prices and SSD prices over the time. And it really does feel the last sort of year and a half, uh, prices have really dropped dramatically. So I was shocked to see that I could get a half terabyte SSD. I thought that would be way outside my budget. But it's like uh, £140. That's really good. And that's yeah, for the decent. Samsung 850, like, so it's not a crappy one. Mm. Just speaking of hard disks, uh, I like the Backblaze, the backup company. They do a quarterly oh, hard drive starts, uh, stats, sorry. and they, they give the numbers of hard drives that have failed and stuff by brand and by model and everything. So it's, it's just really interesting to see, and they update it quarterly. Um, so I think they're still, I don't think they're on SSDs for the most part, but... Um, it's uh, it's interesting to see. The discussion forum threads after they do the, their quarterly thing is always really interesting because you've essentially a ton of people um, chime in with their like own anecdotal um, kind of experiences. So like, I had a C-grade drive fail on me four years ago and I said never again. And like, dude, that's not the point. The point is like, read the data. Like, you know, the numbers are big enough. That's the problem, though. Everyone's biased. Do you know what I mean? I think we take things far too personally um, in in terms of that. We we see it ourselves, though, at Macs. Like, I, I used a Mac once for 10 minutes, and, you know, everything was horrible, and I never used a Mac again. I uh, have a guy in work who's converting to a Mac soon for the first time. Ooh. So that would be interesting, but, like, he's got... Three other Mac users, I guess, in the office. So won't be too. It'd be probably a, a decent transition for him. But uh, I'm still looking forward to seeing what he doesn't like or what we can convince him is better on it. You know. Do you know what version of Windows he's moving from? Is it eight or ten? Um, seven. Oh, okay. Yeah, work is still on seven. I think they're pushing towards ten now. Yeah, I think that's probably going to be easier to move from. Because like any time yeah. I use Windows 8 or Windows 10, things just move around of their own accord and I have no idea what's happening. <laughs> and I'm still, bit, yeah. like I'm doing, I'm I'm going out doing presentations at the moment. Um, so I'm traveling with my laptop, I'm going places, I'm plugging in my laptop and some of the software that I use is Windows. So I'm using a virtual machine. Two out of the three presentations, Windows 7, has decided to do an update and reboot mid-presentation <laughs> with no warning, no option to defer, nothing. Oh, amazing. So thankfully, I run it in a virtual machine because of that exact reason. So I'm not, I'm, it's, a, it's my bootcamp partition, but it's running in a virtual machine. Um, so mm-hmm. I can then just swipe back and go back to my keynote presentation and talk crap for a few seconds while it reboots. <laughs> But literally, like, every time. I don't know what's up with it. Um, That's incredible. 
I know, like, and it, it's just it, it's just one of the reasons I can't trust Windows for for anything. Like, do you know, um, I you know, I I just I I couldn't imagine my Mac doing that to me. You know, it's like. You know, it's there would almost, be serious words if it did. There would, like, you know, I mean, it's 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 almost like, uh, like seriously, like, I mean, that would be so out of character for something like that to happen on a Mac. You know, I mean, the little pop up saying every time you add the power going, "Hey, do you wanna do you wanna update there?" Like that's <laughs> that's annoying enough. Like, but I mean, do you know, if I thought that it, the operating system would just be like, "I'm rebooting now," and you're kicked off like it's just it's amazing red card no good at all red card black card you know i mean i'm gonna get windows 10 and see if it's any better because i think you can set the active hours or something so it stops doing this kind of crap like but it's the same if i'm recording screencasts or something like the amount of screencasts i have to edit out the do-do-do-do and the little spindle going hang on windows is updating like you know (laughs) <laughs> because apparently four, I, I did the four hour postpone like two weeks ago in the virtual machine and then when I resumed it do you know oh Dave upgrading to 10 is that really going to go well for you I don't know I have a blood pressure monitor the- and I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm going to use it wisely it will inform all of my tech decisions going forward with regards to Windows 7 to 10 oh so yeah, I'd be interested to see how that goes. There's something there's a term for that kind of thing where people you know, they get is it baby ducked or something like that? Um What? I'm trying to find it now. It's it's gonna be something I'm calling it like baby ducked, but it's gonna be something like stupid. It's like when you you like imprint on an operating system. So if you were always a Windows user, when you go to another operating system, you're going to think it's stupid. If you're always a Mac user and you go to a different operating system, you're going to think it's stupid. Um, have you not heard the term? Never heard it. <laughs> it no. Mother ducked. I don't know. So Thomas, do you want to tell us about how your Sunday's been? Uh Nothing what? is working for me. <laughs> nothing, nothing, nothing. So, what's the worst thing? What's the worst thing that's not working? So, the things are bad, and you know it's really annoying when you don't have your phone and you don't have any of your stuff, and it's like you, Baz. You know, you're saying you're logged out of everything. Mm. It's like that for me, except I can't log in because none of the apps will run on iOS seven. So, oh, so anyway, that was recently. And then I was doing a a little project today, a little web project. So, and actually I I got it done. So I was involved with a group that were involved in discussing the future of our main street, O'Connell Street in Limerick. Yeah. And we'd had a meeting and somebody said, Let's not compare ourselves to, like, the big major European cities. Let's see what the smaller cities are doing that we could maybe copy. So I thought, oh, and then somebody distributed a list of, like, 100 cities in Europe with populations between 200,000 and 300,000. So I thought, wouldn't it be cool if you could search 
do an image search for specific things like the word street or fountain or park um, and basically look at all of these hundred cities an image search for the same thing to kind of uh, compare and contrast and just get a little bit of um, thing. So with a little bit of advice from a Dave, I got started with my jQuery stuff, which is awful, by the way. Oh, my God. I, I don't know how you can complain about Objective-C after using JavaScript. Like, I have no idea. It's just closures everywhere or whatever they call blocks and uh, uh. anyway so i finally got it done um and it kind of worked um dave i didn't get the fancy um image gallery stuff all right but done. you got the the other basic one it loads the images anyway does it yeah it does it just yeah, like, perfect yeah it looks grand and it links to them and Flickr and so stuff. how many javascripts did you write how many javascripts Let's see what BB Edit says. My so in my tradition of uh, naming things, I'm calling it Kahraka for cities. Um, my okay, my JavaScript file. There's 500 lines of JSON. But that's kind of mm-hmm. like, I just exported that from an, a CSV. So it doesn't kind of, it's just a list of all the cities with their country and their population. And then about 80 lines. And there's a good bit of that come today. It's not that long. Nice. Yeah. It wasn't pleasant though at all. No. But I got it done. Like a trooper. Well, so look, that... it was important that I stopped you from using PHP though, because... That would have turned into a WordPress plugin. Like, you know it. Like, it's not even just a .php file. That would have to have WordPress. It would have to be GitHub. It would have to be, you know, like, there would just, I just saved you loads of work. Yes. Although I did actually <laughs> turn it into a WordPress plugin. Anyway. <laughs> God damn it. But only because I'd done it before and I wanted to run it on my main site. Um so it was fine. Like, it, it, like I didn't actually write any PHP. I just copied it over from one of my other WordPress plugins. So, um, yeah, no, it was, it was fine. It's fine. So I'm like, okay, I'll just activate the plugin then on my own site, see if it works. Okay. And I was going to send it to you guys first to check. And I wasn't able to add a plugin. Just the add plugin button wasn't showing. So I'm like, eh, what's going on? So this is so, how it all unraveled. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I thought, oh, something I messed up. I know, I'll just create a new admin user. Had she called it Dave? Because I'm like, I knew you were around in the chat. So I thought, you know, worst comes to worst, I, I can send you the login. And, you know, you can have a look, see if you see it on your side. You know, I tried a different browser, so I'm trying to tick off things. So that didn't work. I'm like, oh, this is a bit strange. I know, I'll just I'll just SSH in and I'll just create the plugin files manually. I kinda I didn't care. I was sort of I don't care very much about my website really. It's just there. Um 
So then I logged in and I thought, wait a sec, there's some funny things in those directories there, like kind of ec7643ab467.php and stuff. And I kind of opened one of them. There's a kind of encode base64. Um, I thought, uh-oh, I remember seeing this before. Something's wrong. So my website has been hacked. Um, I get to admit to some bad practices here. So I guess best practice is each WordPress install should be like under a separate user on your Linux server. Uh, which I do now. So worst case scenario was safe, for example. So it, it's under its own um, user on my shared host. But I had lots of older sites that hadn't been. Um, so basically, yeah, one of them had an outdated plugin where there was an exploit and it messed up all my stuff. So I spent about two panicked hours trying to clean all the stuff out. They're really clever. So they call, um, they put in files into your WordPress install. That's like search.php or info.php, which, you know, sound like they're vaguely uh, sort of plausible, but they're not. They're fake and they're full of yucky stuff. So, um, oh, it's a pain trying to clear it all out. Um, is this basically my server was being turned into a spam relay? So, the Russians were sending out uh, lots of spam emails to everybody. Sorry about that, guys. Anybody got spam? That's my fault. <laughs> Do you know when this happened? Two days ago, so not too okay. bad. So, if you hadn't have gone on, this could be going on for a while, yeah. So I feel a bit embarrassed, but also I think it's something like, I don't know about you guys, but like I never properly learned the lesson of backing up until I lost stuff. And I feel it's probably the same with this, that like maybe you never learn sort of the lesson of good security practices until you actually get hacked. So oh, he's resolved it anyway. Well, no, my site's down. Your site's down. So is Sheila's. Load of others. So. So I did all this work and I can't even put it up. <clears throat> Annoying. Um, Statically hosted on GitHub. <laughs> <laughs> I'm interested in the city planning stuff you were talking about there. Um, I don't know if it's good for the podcast or anything, but... I'll talk about it briefly because I think it has a little bit of relevance. Um, Yeah, do. And I guess the relevant thing is the the background, and I don't want to go massively into it, but um, basically a a kind of semi-secret cabal was put together um, because they're redesigning our main street and somebody felt that the plans weren't ambitious enough. Um, So this is the pedestrianising of the street, right? Yeah, one of the options is pedestrianising, but actually most of the options are keeping through traffic on it. Okay. Uh, And this guy, well, I might as well say his name because it's not, um, it's a guy called John Moran, who's a former sort of second-in-command civil servant who's originally from Limerick and he's very interested in Limerick. And he's been writing a few kind of newspaper articles saying Limerick could grow to be like 200,000 people. 
And I read so, that, yeah. Yeah, so he saw the proposed plans for the street and then said, oh, they're not very ambitious. So he brought a group of people together, a really wide group of people, including like business people and retailers and architects and sort of amateur wingers like me. And um, yeah, so we've been meeting for the past two months. Um, but one of the reasons why I think it's kind of interesting is one of the, he brought in like an international property consultant. Um, so this guy works all over Europe, uh, mainly with multinational companies, helping them to kind of cho A, choose locations and B, once a company's chosen a location, like getting them set up in a city. Mm -hmm. And he was really clear in terms of the software companies he's working with is like kind of they they absolutely demand to A, be in sort of city centre locations, but B, sort of high quality city centre locations. Mm -hmm. And he says it's come that it's a really pragmatic thing for especially software companies because the demand for talent is so high. Um, if a company's offices is too far out of town um, or this guy was saying as a property consultant, if he offers a company offices or suggests offices that are too far out of town, the company will just say no, because they'll be like, we'll lose people. And it's... Especially it's, young people. Yeah. So I think it's kind of, it's really good that things are changing, because maybe in a previous generation, we might have thought, ah, innovation is kind of done in office parks, you know, at the edge of cities. So it's kind of nice to think that some people are talking about innovation happening in the middle of cities. So that's kind of cool. Does that work for Limerick though? Like, I mean, like when I think of, I suppose it's just what you're kind of conditioned on at the same time. Like it's, it is kind of more suburban city at this stage nearly than, mm. you know, so is that, is that a problem for Limerick? Like if I had to work in town, I'd be annoyed, you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> I would. But I, yeah, I think, I think if, like it sounds a big thing, but if we're talking about doubling our population, I suppose, you know, that we would stay suburban at one point, but that we would sort of most of the development would happen in the center, I guess. Yeah, I'd be all for that because, you know, any reason to go back into to the city and if there's a bit of a buzz, how bad? Yeah. That's getting there. It is slowly but surely. Yeah, and had this lovely thing. It worked really well. Um, it's kind of cool, like, the, my script showing off. So you'd search for, like, I don't know, trees. That was a good one, actually. And they'd show you pictures of trees in all these 100 cities. It's really nice just to see different. You search for homeless people. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> <laughs> Ross, what's your thing about Steam? Yeah, so... What's going on? <clears throat> haven't talked about much video game stuff in a while, but thought this was a big enough story this week. Um, so I don't know if you know, do you know, you know what Steam is? It's a, like a, an online PC video game distribution platform. So it's owned by Valve, who are the guys that made like Half-Life and Portal. Left is that your Dead. man Gabe Newell? Gabe Newell, yeah, he's and a is he billionaire. is he from Steam or is he from Valve? 
He's from Valve. So he's originally okay. a Sierra employee. I, is this Microsoft. Or Microsoft, sorry. Yes, Microsoft. Um, so he's like an MVP and stuff like that. So like he's, if someone asked me who I'd want to meet or an influential person I would like to meet, he would be top of my list. Um, definitely above anyone else. Yeah, made his money um, at Microsoft and went off and started a game company, basically. Yeah. So what happened at the time was Half-Life 2 was coming out, like hugely anticipated game. And the only way, or it came with Steam on the disc. And the only way you could play the game is if you install Steam and download the game. And people hated this idea. I remember I was working in game inside in the city, selling it at the time, and people were pissed off about it. Um, so you, or not, you didn't need to download the game, I guess. I think you did maybe, but you needed Steam anyway. The great thing, I guess, about Steam or what was bad about PC gaming at the time was there was a huge amount of DRM, which is just um, piracy prevention software that is built into games. And it's a pain in the ass for game or PC players. You know, they're getting treated like pirates. People who legitimately buy the game have this DRM on the game and it makes it harder for them to play. People who pirate the game don't have DRM. You know, it's, you know, like when you um, DVDs, you have to sit through like five minutes before you get to play the dvd yes and there's videos telling you not to pirate the dvd even though you'd bought it and then the people who pirate it they cut out all that other shit <laughs> so the people who pirate it just like you know get straight into the movie so what steam allowed was for people to i guess um you know kind of hide the drm away a lot clearer because you had to use this platform to play the games not to say the drm was completely gone but it was just a bit nicer and eventually steam just became like place to download games there's various other platforms out there there's quite a lot of them um my uh, ea origins good old games uh ah, there's a few of them um but what happened was more and more people were wanting to release games in it so more and more indie developers so if you're the big triple a video game developer kind of like rockstar or activision or anything like that you had you know enough behind you that Steam would put your games out because you were curating them yourself to a certain standard. You're like, okay, we're not going to put out bad games. We're going to put out very good games or decent enough anyway games. So grand. But if you're the indie developer, the guy who's working inside in his uh, bedroom or office at home, that kind of thing, or a bunch of lads just making a game, you know, young guys with no money, um, it was harder to get your game onto the store. So what Valve, their idea was, was that... People were already rating games anyway on it. You know, people were going on, like on the App Store, you can give an app an app a review. So people were already, you know, yes, no, I like this game or whatever, and writing reviews. So they opened it up to their users that, okay, you can submit a game, Thomas, and all the users will vote on whether they would, uh, they have interest in the game. So they're not putting any money, money towards it, but they're kind of saying, yes, I would like to see this game on Steam eventually. So... Um, every month, I think it was, or I'm not too sure how often it is, the top games that were voted on got onto Steam. Um, but obviously, with everything, you know, when there's rules, people break them. So in this case, people were just able to buy votes. So probably go off to China or something and pay a few hundred quid and just had click farms, you know, kind of voting. So there's a terrible amount of shit out there on Steam. Uh, I think one statistic is 38% of all Steam games in their library were released last year, um, which is huge. It's just, and a lot of that is crap. So there's a lot of good games 
Um, they were saying over 100 games that have gone through Steam Greenlight have made over a million each, which is massive. And these games wouldn't have gotten onto Steam without Greenlight, uh, Stardew Valley being one of these games. So they've been saying for years and years and years and years, we're going to get rid of Greenlight, we're going to get rid of Greenlight. And, you know, people actually make kind of careers or parts of their careers on YouTube talking about the crap that's on there. Um, Jim Sterling is one of the people. Um, definitely check out some of the stuff he does. So he's very happy, obviously, that it's going. But they're going to replace it with a new thing called Steam Direct. Um, so there's not a huge amount of information about it. But the idea is now that you'll be, um, if you want to release a game, you're going to have to fill out a lot more forms. Um, it's going to have to go through a testing period and then you're going to have to pay a fee to launch the game. So uh, at the moment, the rumors are up to $5,000 per game, which I guess would cut out a lot of people anyway, because originally it was €100 or $100. And then once you've paid that you can submit as many games as you wanted so this could be on a per game basis up to five thousand might not be that it might not be that i think even i was watching a guy today he 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 made the argument of five hundred dollars you know it's just enough that a hundred dollars you know isn't that much in the grand scheme of it um but like people what people are doing just putting out games and then kind of tricking people into downloading them they might have put up like fake media or something like that, or the game was really, really crap. Um, and they just made enough money to get back their $100 or probably a bit more. Um, even yeah. though there is a really good refund thing. Um, That's only recent, though. Quid. It's very, very recent, yeah, that refund stuff. I think if you don't play more than two hours, you can get a refund of like, any game. Um, but you do, you would get that money back. So if you're not a chancer... You know, indie developers obviously aren't going to get paid to get $5,000. But um, if you do put the game in and it is of a high enough standard, you know, it's not a piece of crap shovelware kind of game, that you will get back that 5000 or whatever 500 it might be. Um, It'd just be much easier to disallow open world sandbox zombie roguelikes. <laughs> yes. You know, it's Survivor like, horror Yeah, um, early access... Uh, with crafting and survival you know i mean they're all the same game there is like a hundred of the same crap game yeah but that's the thing with people if i can still play them you know and that's that's the thing just obviously supply and demand that way um one thing i heard it might be bad it might happen was i don't know if you know about like on uh youtube there's a group called machinima and what they do is okay i like your content this is from Machinima's point of view, they like, you know, a YouTuber's content and they'll say to them, join us and for 20% of whatever you earn, we'll promote your videos, we'll promote you um, and we'll get you more views and more subscribers. So people end up doing it. You do lots of stories about people regretting it, um, but it could potentially be that thing then that a company will turn around and say, look, we will give you $5,000 to put your game onto Steam and get it up onto Steam. And we will then take, you know, 20, 25% cut of everything you make. Well, you're just back to traditional publishing then, like, I mean, that's, you know, yes, that's, that's, but, that's not new, like, it's just back to the same but I, Yeah, but I think maybe more people might kind of be open for it. I'm not sure to know how how easy it is to do that at this stage. Like, is it a quick, quick thing or do you have to go like to meetings and stuff like this and present 
documents or people just turn around and kind of go, look, I'll just give you the 5,000 because we think you're going to make, you know, it back for us. And, yeah. Or maybe just take a few hits and then maybe eventually get that one really good game that makes them billions. It is kind of interesting to have seen the, the, like, I suppose the arc that it's taken over the last 10 years. Do you know, mm. I mean, if you take it when we started at Baz, like you could not get anything anywhere. Yeah. And, and that was it. Like, you know, I mean, you know, then the app store came along and it was kind of, everyone was kind of like, oh, well, anyone can just submit a game. And eventually yeah. Sony, Nintendo, everyone kind of steam warmed to, to the indies. And I think it's probably, um, it looks like it's heading towards a slight self-correction on some platforms anyway. Yeah. So I suppose we don't know the big picture at the moment. We, like it's, I suppose we only know like now they're getting rid of it and that's the reason I want to talk about because it, it is a big thing. It's huge money kind of, you know, that these guys are making in Steam. Um, whatever they replace it with, I imagine they're going to have, they're going to have a good idea, I think. I'm I'm hoping, hoping anyway, but like I suppose it has taken them so long to get rid of Greenlight. Maybe they didn't know what they were doing or maybe they haven't found a good solution, but we'll see anyway. Maybe just a high enough paywall is enough of a deterrent to stop the crap coming in. Um, imagine you had to pay 5000 every time you wanted to submit an app to the App Store. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, like draw the, the parallels then back to the Apple App Store because I, I actually didn't know that... Um, developer account on steam was 100 a year which is the same as the app store is you're still not mm. guaranteed anything for that 100 like i mean you still have to reach a certain threshold of popularity yeah but it's just that everyone just goes oh my god zombies yes huh. you know um yeah that that gets it you know um so yeah it was a good idea in practice <laughs> having users created i guess it's like reddit you know the users are the moderators that's not always a good thing, but it seems to work pretty well um, at times. And yeah, it just it was time anyway for just a new thing. Let's get rid of all the crap. So obviously, Dave, you go on Steam quite a bit then looking at stuff. I do, yeah. None of which I can buy because I have a Mac. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what piece of crap game can I download? Yeah, I play, uh, as, as you know, I play Counter-Strike a good bit. And you, have to, oh, Ste- you, do, yeah. you have to have Steam open. Uh, to play it yes. obviously and it does the updates and it shows you what's new so every time i about once a week i'll have a look around there's a good few indie games that you can get for the mac and stuff like um you know i did play firewalk this year as well and uh a few other yeah. few other nice ones i think we Is should get thomas your... to play that one what counter strike firewatch firewatch is that another so do you know they in my apartment i've got a few paintings on the wall yeah uh, the kind of wilderness ones they're the ollie moss ones he did the art for that game oh is it choosing people though no no it's like a uh as they're called walking simulators i guess so you have a fire engine is it like your truck simulator no you're in a national park in like uh united states and it's your job to look out for fires, but obviously there's a story that kind of goes along with it. So is it like um, a kind of real-time strategy then? Are you? No, 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 it's like it's played over like three or a summer, I guess. And, yeah. you know, 
every you get like you do a day and it's not like every day one day after the other it could be like a couple of days between days that you're playing but just incidents happen and there's a story that you kind of reveal yeah things start getting weird as you're traipsing around the woods looking for fires and stuff oh yeah so like there's it's it's a lot of these games walking simulators i think i've talked about a few of them before it's just you're more there to experience the story and stuff this game looks beautiful as well um Mm. It'd be a nice one to talk about the ending of it then together as well, you know. Um, yeah, and I think it's one that, we you know, Thomas is someone who's maybe not necessarily a gamer. I think it's something that you'd appreciate mm. and enjoy, like. How long yeah. would it take me to get through then? Uh, three Five hours? hours. Really? <laughs> uh, yeah. Hang on, let I mean, me check you, you, my library. It's, <laughs> it's can I play like that? you're walking around a forest and you've got a map, so it kind of restricts where you can go and it kind of leads you certain ways. Okay. And I can uh-huh. play it on my Mac. Yeah, I can play it on my MacBook Air, so you can definitely play it on your Mac. Okay. And Yeah, I have five hours logged, actually, yeah. And can I play it without a joystick or anything? Yeah, mouse. Oh, yeah, just a mouse. Brilliant. It's slow-paced game, you know. Mechanical keyboard, even. Yeah. (laughs) You're not going to be... Yeah, fun. Will Um, I try and play that then before next episode? next week. Yeah, if it doesn't, if you install it and it really plays really badly, again, just get the refund of it. But I think it's a half price at the moment because it's the year anniversary. Um, oh. I saw Ali Moss tweeting about it. Ali Moss, you bastard, if you're listening to me, I still haven't got my Harry Potter prints. Are they still in Coventry? <laughs> They're still somewhere anyway, yeah. And so just to recap on that story, Baz, they sent them to Baz Taylor limerick united kingdom and uh-huh. you saw it and i said to them hi hi no, hi no 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 i don't live in the united kingdom and this is was this in 2016 as well um i'm not no i think it was or yeah, 2016 it, it, shipped i think it was around christmas i can't remember is it? yeah so so they said, your was like, no, that's the that's what we use for that part of the world. You don't understand, Baz. This I, is I was you like, live. I was like, oh, that's even more offensive. But um, I was like, look, Grant, and I tried to email the guys in the states and be like, oh, you sent it the wrong location, um, or was the guys in England? I can't remember. They're like, yeah, we'll look at it. And I keep emailing your one. And I was like, I don't know. I don't have them. They're still in England. She goes, oh well, it takes. I don't know, a certain at the time before they'll get back to the States and then they'll get back in contact with me. So I'm holding out hope that I will get them. If I don't, look, not the end of the world. I was just going to give most of them away as presents anyway. So, um, yeah, you must be missing out, Thomas, on an Ollie mm-hmm. Moss print. <laughs> well, I will enjoy Firewatch this week and report back. Yeah, it's it's not half price at the moment, so it's 20, 20 euro. So for three hours, it's like kind of two pints an hour. So it's the same amount of fun as if you no, you, you get about five hours. Yeah, oh, okay. yeah, yeah. And especially that. if you're if you're, you know, if you're if I suppose if you haven't played games like that before, there might be a steeper learning curve as well. So yeah, if you're if you're not through One in five thing, hours, don't feel too bad. <laughs> yeah. One thing I'll say is you get a camera in it. Um, just take photos of really nice things in it. Don't be afraid yeah. to use the camera up. It's a disposable camera. Um, I think I was a bit... I took a lot of photos, but I didn't take enough. Yeah, mine are all just the the smoke. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's so like, like you just yeah, okay. And then you're getting to this towards the end of the game, and you're like, I should really take some pictures. <laughs> yeah. So I'm replaying it at the moment with a director's commentary, which is really cool. They put in. Is that on um, the Mac as well? Uh, I don't know. I'm playing on the PS4. All right. Yeah, and that's where I played it. I'd say it's on the Mac. It definitely has to be. Well, then I'll replay it too. Yeah, do. Um, it's one of the most um, atmospheric, immersive games I've played in a long time. Mm. Um, that was just kind of like, you know, it was just, just really nice. Another game I'll recommend. I haven't, it's not really a game, but. Um, Hold on a sec. I I've got one on my list. Yeah, this is not for you. This is just in general while just I'm on video games. Okay. <laughs> um, no, it's just something I saw. It's called A Normal Lost Phone. Um, it might be a bit too teenage angsty, but um, I've only played like about half an hour of it. It's kind of like you find someone's phone. So it's like a an OS. The app looks like an OS um like an iphone or more like an android phone but you have you can read through this person's text messages and emails um and he seems to be gone missing and i suppose you have to uncover uh the story behind it and stuff like that so like there's a wi-fi in it to connect to the wi-fi you need to figure out how to connect to the wi-fi and stuff like this and then yeah, it's kind of cool um kind of voyeuristic i suppose but yeah I've heard it's quite good, so I'll give it a shot. Again, might be a bit too teen angsty and stuff like that, but mm, could be fun. Nothing wrong Something with a bit, a bit of teen, teen angst. It's what makes yeah. the world go round. It is, yeah. Cool. Do you want to do what's making us happy? Yeah. I can do one straight away if you want. Great. Oh, look at you. Uh, <laughs> this was just before... We recorded, so this is about uh, six PM this evening. Uh, I was watching. I don't know. Do you, know, you guys know Tiny Desk? Yep, NPR, um, M- M- NPR Tiny Desk, where they get like uh, oh, the gigs. a band, the gigs. Yeah, they're yeah. like in someone's office. Um, but there was a Run the Jewels one that was out this week, and really like that stuff in their new album. But I'd gone on to the NPR tiny desk on YouTube to announce. I was like, oh, okay, I'll sort by most popular. And the most popular one on it, well, like about 9 million views is T-Pain. And I don't know if you know T-Pain, but like he's kind of famous and a bit memeish for using autotune in all of his music. So all his music is like about, you know, it's, it's hip hop. It's like being at the club, you know, and meeting women, all that kind of shiz. Uh, but and so he kind of jokes at the start and he's like oh if you're wondering where my autotune is it's in my pocket but he just it's just him and a dude who's really good at piano like really 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 good at piano and then he just sings three of his songs so the lyrics are kind of really you know in the club kind of thing but he's a fantastic singer so his whole shtick is that he uses itune uh sorry autotune but he's really really good and it's a really good performance completely unexpected uh so Definitely recommend, you know, yeah. I'll put in the show notes, jump on and just listen to that for 15 minutes. It's really, really, really good. Yeah. Now it's just, just for people as well, he uses autotune to almost sound like a robot, though. It's not just to cover bad singing. Yes. Like it's, it's no, almost vocoder it. yeah. kind of thing. Like it's, you know, robots. Yeah, he, yeah, 
he uses it, yeah, because I guess, and I guess he's just very good at using it, but I think people were just like, you can't sing. You might know him from that song, um, I'm on a boat. Um, yeah, he was on the boat. That was <laughs> one of the, that was one of the big iOS apps that came out back in the day. I am T-Pain. Yes. I remember yes, it was big actually, buzz about yeah. that, like, and you could be T-Pain. <laughs> You, know? you could be T-Pain, yeah. You plugged um, your headphones into it and you sang and you came out all T-Pain-y. T-Pain-y. So that was, it was a really fun thing. And for him, it, I think it just came across genuinely fun. He was like, this is completely weird for me. Uh, I've never done anything like this. So like, it's just a guy accompanying him on p- piano and him just belting out tunes. And it's really, really good. I can see why it's the, the most viewed one anyway. It's it's kind of weird that NPR Tiny Desk has kind of become the MTV Unplugged of mm, this yes. generation. Um, and it's not like hugely successful. Like, like you know, 9 million views being the top one on it. Um, they have huge bands on it. But like still, you know, it's 1, 2 million for a big band. It's still like, you know, 100, 200,000 there for certain other bands and views. Yeah. I mean, they've I, had Adele on and, you know, loads of... Big, big did, names yeah. and then the more obscure stuff as well which is it's a, kind of a nice mix as well yeah I like, another one to, i'd recommend would be uh dessa d-e-s-s-a on uh tiny desk sorry thomas no i was just gonna say i, I really just com- comparing co- comparing and contrasting um the npr stuff with the old mtv unplugged um I just think they've executed really well in it because MTV, MTV Unplugged might have been acoustic, um, but it, it still had a certain amount of bombast about it. Whereas, like, yeah, I just think what, what NPR have done is really cool and you know, mm-hmm. more of that and sort the, of thing. The thing I like as well is, like, you know, every week take 10 to 15 minutes out of your day, watch it. It'll expose you to new music that you may not have any idea who they are. You might find something new. You know, it's. I think it's a great way of just kind of trying something new every week. Yeah, yeah, definitely. What about you guys, Dave uh, Thomas? I've got one. Um, it's another podcast. Um, heresy, heresy. Uh, but if. You guys are—I've mentioned it to you guys before. I don't know if, if you checked it out, but uh, it's called Dubai Friday. Yep, I listened to it for the first time last night, actually. Ah, what do you think? <laughs> um, it was like listening to a bunch of people that had a lot of inside jokes, and I had no idea what they're on about. <laughs> um, <laughs> for at least the first fifteen minutes, like it just dumped into the middle of a conversation with people talking about people and. Do you know, uh, it was it was a bit bewildering to be honest. But um, after a while, then once they actually started talking about the thing um, that they had to do by Friday, it was fine. <laughs> so um, yeah, I'm just really enjoying it. Uh, three people who really sound like they're enjoying each other's company, um, and Max Temkin in particular is just a scream. Uh, really bright guy, um, and I guess a good. Because it's a very light-hearted podcast, but they do talk some politics stuff, but not in a kind of... I just feel their response to the whole stuff in the States is is good. It's not too... Um, yeah. That's my, my thing for this week. Awesome. I'll give it a listen. Cool. 
So, um, I'm a bit confused because I had a thing. I know I can't. Did Thomas steal it again? No, no, (laughs) I can't remember what that thing was. Um, but now I have another thing. So it's very, it's very strange. It was definitely midweek. I was like, yeah, this is going to be it. And now something else is after popping into my head. So now I'm trying to figure out what the other one was. I'll just be happy happy that I have two things. And you don't know what it was. Two things to be happy about, um, but it, it was also a book. But now I can't remember what what book it was. Um, so, to be fair, David, I, it should be mentioned that you were very sick at the moment and on antibiotics. So, oh yeah, mm. and steroids and everything. So, like, just disregard everything I say. Pretty much, <laughs> um, <laughs> I have the volume set to like 110. I have no hearing. Um, <laughs> it's it's amazing. Um, so yeah, so steroids were making me happy this week. Um, (laughs) uh, no, I found it. So (laughs) yeah, um, it's a short, uh, it was a Kindle single that I, is that like an A4 page? Uh, it's, (laughs) it's like a short story. It's okay, like a short right, story yeah, okay. on Kindle. Kindle call them, they call them Kindle singles. Um, <laughs> and it's kind of long form journalism sometimes or kind of novellas or stuff. Do you know, like it's, okay. it's kind of um, about 50 pages. Um, All right. Kind of a job. Yeah. 48 pages. Um, 3,507 kilobytes, if anyone cares. Um, and it's uh, by John Ronson, who has. Oh, I love him. Re- written a number of books and it's called the elephant in the room a journey into the trump campaign and the alt-right cool so oh, i read that I'm this definitely week i'm gonna read that i bought it um ages ago and only got around to kind of reading it now, now that i actually had a bit of downtime where i you know couldn't move or hear anything so i like resorted to the <laughs> written word <laughs> um desperate so, times i know that's it um but it, it was nice to have something to have something really nice to to read so um i just bought it because i was like um i i think i've read everything john ronson has put out at this stage and i it was something new from john ronson and that was that was the main reason but um i i suppose uh i'll read the the first bit of the the description on on amazon but hillary is a known luciferian he tried She's not a known Luciferian, I said. Well, yes and no, he said. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and this is still from the, the elephant in, from the description. In The Elephant in the Room, John Ronson, New York Times bestselling author of The Psychopath Test, Them and So You've Been Publicly Shamed, travels to Cleveland at the height of the summer to witness the Republican National Convention. Along the way, he reunites with an old acquaintance, the influential provocateur and conspiracy talk show host Alex Jones, who draws him unexpectedly into one of the most bizarre presidential campaigns in American history. So now... It's very interesting. Um, So like you, Dave, I'm a massive fan of John Ronson. I'm just trying to think how how you would sort of describe his writing style. Um, But but yeah, like the willingness to get really deep into a story and kind of be a little bit more involved maybe than like he's definitely not a detached writer. No, I think some I kind of liken him to a kind of a written Louis Theroux maybe. 
Yeah, or Hunter S. Thompson without the drugs is the other one I always... Yeah, and less... <laughs> yeah, less bats. Um, <laughs> yeah, cool. it's just very straightforward, kind of unassuming kind of guy. And, like, if you've ever listened, if you've ever actually got the audiobook versions of his book instead, it's now impossible to not read the written stuff in his voice. Um, and he's a, he's a, a nice, soothing voice. Um and his saving graces, like, I think he always has a bit of sympathy for the people he's writing about, even if. Yeah, that's it. Like, cause I mean, even, you know, like a, a lot of the, there, there's some quotes in this piece from people going like, oh, he's doing a hit piece, but you know, at least it'll be a good one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, so that, that was a nice, uh, a nice, uh, I don't think it was quite an hour of reading, but it was, it was nice. Very, very scary, <laughs> and of course, it all kind of ends. It was, it was pre-election, so it all kind of ends on the note. But you're like, at least he's definitely not going to be president. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Oh God.